Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today on the podcast, we have the pleasure of being joined by Kumaran Penamblam, who is a technology leader with 20 plus years of experience in AI, machine learning, and big data. His focus is on creating robust, scalable AI models and services to really drive effective business solutions. He's currently leading AI initiatives in Outshift by Cisco. In his previous roles, he's built data pipelines, analytics, integrations, and conversational bots around customer engagement. He's also authored several courses on the LinkedIn Learning platform, so I highly recommend you go check those out. Those are kind of the AI and big data spaces, but welcome to the show today, Kumaran. Thank you, Jaden. Thanks for having me. Super excited to have you on the show. I wanted to kick this off and ask you a little bit about um, your journey. What kind of brought you into the field of AI and machine learning? And uh, you know, what was what was your motivation? How did you how did you discover what what you're doing today? So um, my entire career of thirty years is all on data. I started out in the Oracle platform, and then moved on to various you know RDBMS to big data, all the way to AI. So deriving insights from data has always intrigued me. You know, how do you write these queries? How do you extract like, you know, insights from data? So when machine learning became popular, my interest in the field grew because, you know, it's kind of a great tool to make your best use of data. And I've been in this uh, ML space for the last 10 years and it's been pretty exciting. And it's rapidly changing. So that does give us a lot of uh, initiative to kind of stay there. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Very, very cool. Um, so you're currently working at, um, uh, you're currently working I'll at Outshift by Cisco. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how you got started there. So Outshift by Cisco is a separate team in Cisco that is focused on new initiatives and new product lines and, and new domains beyond what Cisco is doing uh, otherwise in the other products. So it's, it's got a lot of opportunities for innovation, uh, especially in new and emerging areas. Uh, so that's when uh, why I moved into this group uh, about 18 months back. Uh, here we are currently yeah. focused on GenAI uh, and ways in which it can help enterprises. So we are looking into applications of GenAI around things like observability, security, moderation, we're also looking at use cases for enterprises in Gen AI. Beyond that, Outshift is also focused on uh, cloud uh, native security and quantum computing and other emerging areas in the software field. Okay. Okay, very excited. Um, something I'd love to ask you about, like what are some of the most exciting areas that you're currently working on in Outshift by Cisco? 
so so that gen ai is number one uh, number two is cnap or cloud native application uh, production and then some amount of research that we do with universities on areas like quantum computing and uh, other new technologies that you see on the horizon so we do look at web3 mm. and all those idea items uh, all, all those new areas that we see we scout a lot we research a lot we partner with universities we also come up with you know uh, ground up products uh, we incubate them and uh, take them uh, all the way to the first mvp so there's a lot of these exciting activities we do as a part of uh, the outshift team that's super fascinating super exciting and of course cisco is a a company that's really on the cutting edge of a lot of this stuff and it sounds like this the cisco t- or the uh, outshift team is really focusing on that something i'd love to ask you about is you know in your experience what are kind of the key factors that contribute to building robust and scalable ai models for business solutions okay so the, i think the, <coughs> sorry so it all begins with the data being used right the, the data that is being used to train the models is the number one thing mm-hmm. and if this data has the right signals and patterns then modeling that is not a problem uh, it's not yeah. about the amount of data it is the quality of data that we get and the kind of uh, signals that is there that are there in the uh, the data uh be after that okay. once you have built a model it's about adding all the checks and balances to ensure that the model stays in line uh this mm-hmm. means that we have to track model drift that's number one to see that the model is performing okay. to expectations then of course there are the other elements that come in like bias monitoring hallucinations and you know, stuff like that where you see the model not behaving expected we need to monitor them correct them and then when it comes to deployments of course we need to focus on cost Uh, as much as mm-hmm. exciting the machine learning world is today uh, the cost is a key factor uh, and it has to be the solutions that we build has to be cost effective the cheaper we make okay. ai the more will be the applications of ai in the world okay yeah that that makes a lot of sense and uh really bringing down that cost i think is going to unlock so much innovation so that's something i personally am very excited for Um I believe you've built various systems around customer engagement um like conversational bots. I'm I'd be curious to ask you, you know, like how do you see AI transforming customer experience in the future? So conversation bots are an area where there is tremendous potential for AI to make an impact. Right? In AI uh, in called the customer experience uh, traditionally has been very human focused. about human uh-huh. agents very good quality human agents who know how to talk to the customer and stuff like that uh, and we can expect the bots to kind of catch up to the behavior of this good human agents like which means that you can expect bots to become more sophisticated in their ability to yeah. understand what the customer wants and needs by asking thoughtful mm-hmm. questions you know bots today are just you know they are not asking questions per se or thoughtful questions or follow up questions based on mm-hmm. what the customer is saying like a human being so they will be able to ask those more thoughtful questions they may be able to interpret a complex complex asks and asks and be able to determine like root causes they will be able to scout several sources for information and solutions based on what the customer is asking them typical to how a human being like, okay i don't know this let me go ask person a person b let me go look at uh-huh. the documentation how a human behaves the boss should also be able to behave uh, and they can be more empathetic to what the customer is and you know, based on the situation 
and then uh, based on the situation and can engage the customer like a real human age uh-huh. so the idea is like uh, how how quickly can we get these bots to uh, mimic a uh, human behavior which is a quality agent not just any agent i'm saying a quality good quality agent how they behave whether it's in the sales uh, situation or in a in a troubleshooting situation or even a little survey situation mm-hmm. okay yeah that makes a lot of sense and i think that's you know incredibly critical um something i would also love to ask you about is um i know that you've kind of worked on some linkedin learning courses and ai and big data I, i'm wondering if you can tell everyone um maybe what are some common misconceptions you've encountered around maybe from some of the learners about these topics so let's see big data and ai are vast domains and there are several technologies there and there are several new technologies that are popping up every day and sometimes the learners do get overwhelmed with the amount mm-hmm. of knowledge they need to have in their fingertips like i need to know all these technologies i need to know all the commands and all the uh, capabilities that these ones have i would say that they need to be strong in the concepts and applications of these concepts in design they need to understand okay mm-hmm. this is what this technology brings to the table this is where i can use it this is how i can use it but when it comes to the lower level things like you know individual commands or actually how do you write codes now these days there is a lot of help now in terms of coding right like searches are there to go and look for uh, information your copilots coming up that can help you build any application quickly so my recommendation is focus on being strong on the concepts and how and when to apply them uh, getting into the nitty gritties is something that you would want anyway learn when you get into a specific role that's that's okay. uh, and yeah. that's one misconception i see people there they want to learn everything possible you know in fact i had the same yeah. misconception when it started teaching is like i want to teach everything okay. possible <laughs> then i realized that i don't have to do that i i rather i would focus on getting the concepts through Uh, and then yeah know, the, the if i can get yeah. that through and get that uh, one thing done and then the rest of the students will uh, yeah i think that's a really good point there's just like so much happening there's so much information and data that it's yeah it's it's impossible to to always get everything through but if you can have a solid you know list of things that are really valuable and and get them done in a well in a really well put together manner i think and for learners that's uh, really critical Um something I would like to ask you a little bit. I heard you recently talking about the concept of scouter models, specifically designed for monitoring model drift. I'm wondering if you can explain to everyone that's listening what, you know, a scouter model is and why it's important. Okay. Um uh, the scouter model is something that we innovated within Outshift. So what it is is that in order to monitor concept drift for machine learning models in production, we need to have the true label for targets to be collected in production scenarios so suppose i'm predicting something in production to know if my prediction is correct i also know want to know what is the right value there this episode is brought to you by la quinta by window your work can take you all over the place like texas you've never been but it's going to be great because you're staying at la quinta by window their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead and after you can unwind using their free high speed wifi tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book your stay today at lq.com but in most cases such labels are not automatically available and you need to manually build them like you need to annotate them through human uh, in annotation or by doing some other programmatic annotation this means that observing concept drift is a very expensive task if you have to go through annotation stuff like that 
or it is not possible if you don't have true labels. A scouter model is essentially a complementary model that can predict if the main model is drifting. It is a model to mm -hmm. monitor a model. And, and it uses just the features that are already available to you during uh, inference and production. And what it actually okay. tries to do is it tries to predict one of the features using the predicted targets. It kind of reverses the machine learning process to say you make the target as the feature and feature as the target and see, I can I predict uh, the feature using the target? And if I can reverse predict it correctly, that means that most probably I'm predicting the original one. It's kind of, if I can predict B with A, can I predict A with B? Gotcha. Okay. Very, very interesting. Um, Something that like I, I would, you know, love to know is like, how do you kind of go about choosing the right scouter variables? And what are some of the best practices for implementing, you know, successful drift detection? Okay. The, the, the right scouter variable is one that has good correlation with the target variable. And what you have seen is this typically multi-class features, you know, classes of customer classes and stuff like that. They form actually very good scouter variables as opposed to binary features or, you know, continuous features. And also when we are building the scouter model, we need to again keep the costs down because the scouter model is not the main model. It is just an observability tool. You don't want to build a very expensive observability tool because, you know, the cost will over, overlay its benefits. So we need to keep the cost down. And the scouter model build training and deployment should be kind of co-located with the main model itself. So every time you build, train the main model, you also need to train the scouter model. You also need to deploy them together as a pair. And then the scouter, and then uh, it should be used to periodically, of course, observe and predict if the model is drifting. And even if you observe a drift in one observation, you want to also observe it for multiple continuous observations. Like today I see the model is drifting. Doesn't mean that I need to go and take action. Wait and see for the next okay. two or three days if it is steady. The drift stays. It is just not an anomaly for one day. It comes back uh, back normal kind of thing. So if the drift stays up, that means that, you know, the model is really drifting. That's when you want to go and take a look at why it is drifting and, uh, understand the root cause and then uh, take action, which could be like, you know, going and retraining the model. Okay, gotcha. Um, if, you know, based off of all of that, I, something I'd, I'd be curious to ask you is, you know, like what challenges have you faced in deploying AI models in production, especially when it comes to model drift and decay and, and some of these other issues? Of course, there is, there is this uh, standard deployment issues like, you know, creating the right platform for deployment, scaling up, scaling down, keeping the cost down and stuff like that. But but when mm. it comes to model drift and decay, the main reason why models drift is because the business environment changes. Uh, thereby changing the relationships between the features and the targets. The model is built assuming that a relationship exists between the feature and the target. And if that relationship changes, then the model is of no use. This is why we need to keep monitoring both model the concept drift and feature drift to ensure that the environment is steady, the business environment is steady. There could also be technical issues in data collection and processing. That could lead to drift because it is changing the input data. Like if you have a camera, for example, for you know, object detection, the camera just gets tilted because it's so windy that day. All your images are tilted, right? So it's kind of impacts right. what is coming into the model and then it impacts what's coming out of the model. So we need to also be looking out for those kind of uh, issues. 
Uh, the other thing is then how do you detect the root causes for drift? Because that's not a straightforward one. Because I see drift, I don't know why it is drifting. That's an right. important process because it's not just about data scientists. You also need to work with the business folks to understand where the problem could be. You need to look at the entire pipeline and then say, did the business scenario change? Did you guys, like, for example, marketing may put out a new message that can suddenly increase sales or change the demographics of people buying the product, and that can impact your model too. So you got uh, these kind of changes also impact your model. So we need to kind of also work together and figure out why it is true. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, yeah, there's so many challenges there, but it's fascinating and impressive that the things, some of you, some of the things you guys are working on, something I would love to pick your brain on is, you know, how do you see the role of ML ops evolving in the coming years, particularly like if we're looking at the context of model monitoring and maintenance? So the role of ML ops, if you see, has been steadily increasing and its importance is mm -hmm. continuously growing. Like as more and more models are being deployed, and they are dealing with more and more critical business functions. The, their efficiency, uh, monitoring their efficiency and effectiveness is important. Monitoring, ensuring that it all stays together, it works together, is improving. And this, and with generative AI, especially, the task of training models is going down. We don't have to train every model from scratch, but you still need to ensure efficient operations. Similarly, in the trading mm -hmm. process, now we, we are doing a lot of auto ML kind of stuff where you have automated training pipelines that do feature engineering, model training, testing. That is also a part of ML ops. So all of that is kind of increasing um, because they are trying to customize the models based on uh, auto ML. Uh, in all these cases, ML ops plays an important role. Automation starts playing a very important role because more and more people are trying to automate the steps all the way from data uh, ingestion all the way to model building to deployment. So ML ops is going more and more towards automation, and you are now okay. seeing uh, ML uh, AI ops, for example, where AI is being used to monitor how your models are working. Right. So, so you are have applications of machine learning to monitor if your machine learning stuff is working. So it's going on at that level at this point. And it's okay. going to just yeah, increase, you know, as more and more, more and more of these uh, models are there out there. They do more automated work. They all need to be monitored. Okay, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be so fascinating to see how that evolution plays out. Um, and then something else I would like to ask you about is, you know, kind of based on all your your two decades of experience in this space, where you see the field of AI and machine learning heading? Let's say in the next three to five years, what are some some of the big shifts you? you think are coming down the pipe? So, so as you see, a, the machine learning models are now being embedded in literally every device that you have. Right? Yeah. It's your smartphone, your phone, uh, your car, your refrigerator. It's kind of uh, starting to have more and more impact on people's daily lives, like whether it is professional lives or in personal lives. Uh, whether you're working in ML or not, you're using ML for some of your work, either personal or professional. And that is, I think, only going to keep increasing over time. You're going to have all these uh, co-working together kind of scenarios a lot, where we will see humans working more closely with more, more models side by side to achieve both personal goals and business goals. So a business mm -hmm. goal could be like it's, you can have a code co-pilot that helps me build a program. A personal co-pilot could be that can help me with shopping for a, a new dress. So you're going to have them together where, you, where A is going to help humans with more mundane, repetitive, and knowledge-based tasks. 
and humans are more focused around creativity, strategy, decision making, that kind of stuff. The human is kind of a very good uh, sidekick. Sorry, not the human. The A is going to be a very good sidekick yeah. that helps you do or deal with all this mundane stuff. Today, for example, you need to uh, go find, I need to buy a refrigerator. What is the best in the market? You go and do the search, right? You do the research. Mm -hmm. You can now have an AA do it for you and come back and tell you, hey, this is what I should Yeah. Yeah, it's so fascinating, all the shifts that we're going to be seeing um, in the future coming down the pipe. Listen, Kumaran, it has been fantastic having you on the podcast, uh, learning from you, uh, getting some insights. If people are interested in connecting with you or learning more about what you're currently working on, what's the best way for them to go about doing that? Uh, they can connect to me on LinkedIn. That seemed to be the most uh, you know easy way to connect. And of course, if they want to know about Outshift, uh, uh, Outshift by Cisco has its own website. You can search on Google and uh, take a look at okay. the exciting projects we are doing there. Okay. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. To the listener, thanks so much for tuning in to the AI Chat Podcast. Make sure to rate us wherever you get your podcasts and have a fantastic rest of your day.